and welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by Ren Clean Skincare's global brand ambassador and head of education, David Delport. David Delport's 15 plus year career with Ren really began upon contracting malaria following a year of charity work in Kenya. David had moved to London as an 18-year-old, waltzing right into Harrods and asking for a job in beauty. From there, he was headhunted by Trish McAvoy and later industry icons Laura Mercier and Nas, where his passion for beauty only grew. However, after some years in artistry and education, David felt burnt out and compelled to take a year's leave from the industry or risk growing disillusioned by it. He spent that year in Kenya working with a charity and conducting field research relating to HIV studies and healthcare within East Africa before contracting malaria and being forced to return home to the UK to recover. In 2005, while looking for part-time employment, as this was all he could commit to due to ill health, a friend introduced him to the Wren brand. David fell in love with the brand, became hooked on the products and was then invited to work casually with the brand. As his health improved, David's capacity to work increased and he worked his way up through sales and education roles before becoming Wren's global brand ambassador. What draws me to Wren beyond the products themselves is the pledge the brand have made to become zero waste by the end of 2021 which isn't just a goal, it's a high-stakes commitment, with David explaining that Ren's CEO has stated that they will pull any products from market that haven't met that requirement by the end of this year. In this conversation, David shares what it was like learning about eyebrows from the woman who tamed Madonna's brows, why elevating others has long been the key to his success, and why his earliest memory of beauty could have got him into a lot of trouble. I understand that pre-Ren, where you've been for about 15 years now, you worked as an international makeup artist for Nas, Laura Mercier, Trish McAvoy, but I would like to rewind even further. What is your very, very earliest memory of beauty? Um, this is going to make you laugh. Uh, my earliest memory of beauty is probably stealing lipsticks from my mother's friends when they visited. Um, I was very young. I, I kind of remember it a little bit. I remember the smell of lipstick, which is very unusual, but they say, you know, scent is connected to memory. But my mom would tell me that I would sort of hide behind the sofa, nick their handbag, take the lipstick out and proceed to eat it. And she would just kind of find me behind the sofa with like a red lipstick all over my face, looking very, very happy with myself. So that was kind of like, it's weird, but that's my first memory of makeup. And my second was probably just going through, you know, my mum actually didn't wear makeup growing up. Mm-hmm. So, but she had a little stash of makeup that she kept in a box from like her, I don't know, her, her younger years, her glory years, or when she was kind of a more expressive with colour. And I would go and find this box in the bottom of the bathroom cabinet and just go through it and like open each lipstick, look at a mascara, da da da. So there was there was a curiosity there. I didn't know what I was looking at, but there was certainly something going on. <laughs> so that I guess curiosity in mind, what did you think that you might be when you grew up? Um, the, yeah, I don't 
think at the time that I was I, I would ever work in, in beauty. Um, I was very much sort of brought up outdoors. We grew up with our television. I was always having to entertain myself. So a lot of my spare time was outdoors and in nature. So, you know, I liked things like, you know, I liked animals, I liked volcanoes, I liked astronomy and all that kind of stuff. And I was very much into sciences and biology and also music and art and theater and all sorts of things like that. So I was a very restless child. And I think sometimes I think I still don't know what I want to be or where I will end up. But um, I was makeup and beauty was actually not at the forefront of my mind in terms of a career at the time. So at what point did you start thinking about beauty as a career? Because I, I read that you had a little bit of experience on a local beauty counter when you were a teenager. So when did that enter the picture? So, yeah, that was, so, you know, growing up in, I come from a very small town on the coast in South Africa and pretty much sort of a farming community. There's not a huge amount of opportunity, but there was one department store that was, you know, a little bit fancy. I don't even know if it still exists today, but um, I went there and I got a job and the options were to work in men's grooming. So it was selling men's fragrances. And at the time, all you could get for men in terms of skincare was like lab series for men or Clinique. And that was it. Um, or watches. So I did a bit in watches and then I decided that I wanted to try out the fragrance stuff because I thought that world was really exciting. I love fragrances. I would always sneak into sort of my the bathrooms of my aunts and uncles and smell all the bottles and get really sort of emotionally invested in what they, how they made you feel. So for me moving, I actually kind of moved from working in watches in a weird way over, which is just literally 10 steps across the hall into the men's fragrance department. And that's kind of where the, the beauty thing started for me in terms of the career. And it was there that I got, you know, very basic training on these brands and started to understand what a customer needs, how you can make them feel via scent. Um, and that was really the start of it. But yeah, that was, I was probably about 16 at the time. I don't know if I was allowed to work legally, but I did. Um, so yeah, I, I've been working in cosmetics for about 16. Am I right in saying that you were 18 when you moved to London and just mm. basically marched into Harrods and said hello I would like a job please yeah I mean I'm not, <laughs> this is gonna make you laugh because I'm I'm not on the face of it a confident person well I wasn't at the time and I think you know when, when you're young and you just you just kind of want to see the world and explore and I just remember thinking I want the best for myself I what I know is retail and cosmetics where's the best place in London to work and at the time it was Harrods so I like marched into Harrods in my very ill-fitting cheap suit um, and said, you know, just kind of, <laughs> what have you got for me? This is what I can do. And I really didn't expect to hear back. And a couple of days later, I got a call saying, well, actually, we've got a position in jewellery or we've got a position uh, opening up a new department for men called Body Zone. And this was the first time in London you had all men's grooming products in one department. So very men-specific department. So Back in those days, guys were super insecure, couldn't shop with the ladies in their department, had to be a dedicated men's space, but it was still an interesting concept. So that's actually where I started out. So I started in Body Zone and I opened Body Zone for Men, which was just, you know, opened me up to so many more brands. It was a, it was a really, really cool time. You were later headhunted by Trish McAvoy. What do you think that it was about you and about your approach to beauty that stood out to her and to her team? 
Um, yeah, I was I was speaking to a lady, and it turned out that her, her name was Kitty. Um, I'm not sure if she's still with the brand, but she was essentially Trisha's number two. Um, she was out in London doing a bit of a scouting because they were looking to hire new people for the Harvey Nichols counter, which is where Trish was starting. Um, and uh, she just said to me, I remember something at the time saying, I just like your approach. I like how you spoke to me. I there's something about your demeanor. Um, and, and kind of that's what it was. I certainly had zero experience in makeup application. And I told her that at the time, and she was like, you know, she, she's kind of, she's, she's a really interesting character. I want you to think of her as something like, um, she, she kind of reminds me of, I'm trying to think of the makeup artist now. Um, she's a, she's a big, larger than life character. She's very New York. She's very kind of like, um, you're going to work for me. I'm not taking no for an answer. And um, I was like, well, I can't do makeup. Can I just put this out there? So she said, don't worry, honey, we're <laughs> going to put that makeup brush in your hand. I'm going to teach you how to do that crease. I was like, okay, this sounds exciting. So at the time, I think I'd done two or three years at Harrods. I'd done a good amount of time. So that's what I did. I jumped ship, went in, they put a makeup brush in my hand, taught me how to do a basic eye, tight line, go. And just so happens, it was seems to be something that was in my vocabulary in terms of skills, natural skill set. So I just, I, I knocked it out the park and, and that's kind of how I got into, into makeup. But I was terrified. Listen, I, I think as a kid, like I was scared, but at the same time surprised myself by taking these really random risks and just going, what's the worst that can happen? Let's just give this a go. And I think it's those choices that have actually propelled me much further than I ever imagined I'd go. From there, you worked with Nas and mm. with Laura Mercier. You opened counters, you worked as an artist, you worked as an educator. I was going to ask what it was that drew you to makeup artistry, but as you've just said, it was kind of a natural skill. But what was it that drew you? These are really iconic yeah. makeup houses. Yeah. What was it that drew you to them and to that kind of world of beauty? I think... You know, working at Trish, what Trish did very well was, you know, she's got this amazing system around the planner. And the planner is mm. this makeup bag where you can put inserts in and you build up your tools for your, for the job. But also what she does is she does this half-face technique. So you are empowering women and teaching women how to do their own makeup. So I, from Trish, what I took away was that how to teach aspect of makeup, which I think was super, super important, for, not for me, but also for my clients and to see that they would go away feeling empowered and know how to do things that they'd always wanted to do and feel a bit better about themselves was super, super awesome. Nars, on the other hand, was more about creativity, uh, pushing yourself a bit further with your color choices. And as a person, I would just, you know, look at Franchot Nars' books and see so much diversity, you know, looking at pictures of Alec Weck and, you know, unusual looking um, models like Karen Elson and people who are just different. And there was something about that that I that resonated with me. It's like, oh, I feel a bit different. I feel like a bit of an outsider here in London, very young. These are cool people. These are people who treat everyone the same, who are all about expression. And his artistry was second to none. So I think, you know, makeup is there's, it's such a big world now and there's so much inspiration everywhere we look by social media. But Francois Nice was one of the, for me, one of the originals in terms of pushing boundaries and, you know, just seeing things a little differently. So I learned my color and, at Nice and how to be a bit braver as an artist. And then I guess at Laura Mercier, I mean, she's also a master of her craft. I mean, I learned how to do eyebrows with the woman who tamed Madonna's brows. 
directly. Yeah. I mean, as you know, as as a as a young makeup artist, I was literally working beside the best in the world at the time, and that was such a privilege and such a thrill. Um, but I would say at Laura, it was about creating that perfect canvas. So I learned to hone my skin craft at Laura, and you know, using minimal minimal complexion products to create flawless effects and flawless finishes without looking uh, too done. And so I kind of took the best from each of those things and made that my own. And I think, you know, I, I'm just very lucky. I, I feel very, very fortunate to have had that opportunity at a time where you could still be close to those makeup greats and have them mentor you. Because I think sadly now there's so much space between an artist and, and, and you know, these, these brand founders. Mm. Were there any lessons that you took from that time when your beauty career really was in its infancy that you find you're still applying to your work today? Uh, yeah, I, I would say it's all about the client and how I can make them feel in a way. I think for me, beauty has always been emotional and it's always been about how can this person leave this time with me feeling better and that that is something that I think is it, it's harder and hard, feels harder and harder to do these days. But I I would say treat everyone with respect and lift them up because you never know who's sitting in front of you in that chair, in that makeup chair, or that skincare consultation chair, and each come to you with their own fears and their own anxieties, and you have you know sometimes an hour to make that person feel better. And for me, that was what was most gratifying about the job was to have those people leave you with you know the radiance the smile the the, the gratitude and um, that's something that I always found was the most rewarding thing for me. If my research serves me your next career move led to you getting malaria <laughs> can you talk me through this? <laughs> I don't recommend malaria as a, as a career I'll tell you that. Yeah that's, that seems fair. I um so yeah so after a couple of years at uh, in makeup and with Laura Mercier I I looking back I think I had a burnout and mm -hmm. I left the industry completely not in a sort of high drama way I just had an opportunity to go and work with a sort of grassroots organization in Kenya where they built clinics in Maasai land so it was working directly with Maasai communities building uh, small medical clinics to give them sort of all the basics that they need like inoculations clean water all of those good things and while i was out there during the year i did get i did get malaria i didn't know it at the time and it kind of it's malaria is one of those funny things where you can feel fine one day and then terrible the next and then fine the next day and you kind of cycle through it so i didn't pay much attention to it but yeah it got pretty bad and i had to come back home to england and it took a long time for me to recover so that's kind of the reason that i left that work i was working as a photographer i was building clinics doing project management all sorts of cool things um and i had to come back to the uk to get well you know it was pretty bad i'd ruined my skin my gut health was awful um i had developed some bizarre paralysis on the side of my face due to the illness so i'd gone from this sort of glamorous beauty world <laughs> via africa and then back to the uk to recover just feeling like i was half human and that's kind of where Ren came into play. Yeah, let's let's talk about this because Ren was founded in the year 2000 and it was around 2005 that you were first introduced to the brand. Can you talk me through it? How did you come to know of the brand? What drew you to it? 
Mm. So, you know, things always seem to come full circle in my life. And one of one of my first friends I made at Harrods, um, he left Harrods to work for this startup brand called Ren. And um, so this is kind of sort of a few years down the line. And I came back to the UK. I was just needing to start work, but in a way that I could manage um, and that I could deal with, given that my health was terrible. And he's just said to me, you know, I work for this amazing brand called Ren. Try these products because I know you're struggling with your skin. So I, I tried two or three of the products. You know, I think it was the milk cleanser in the Evercom range and the Omega-3 serum. And literally within a week, my skin was looking the best that it looked in a very long time. I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Um, so that was the first point. So I was initially hooked by the products and how great they were. And then it was come and meet us in the office, come meet the founders, which I did. They were absolute rock stars. So awesome. And they said, well, you know, if you're looking for some work, we've got this and this and this coming up, just do some casual days. And I think my first gig for Ren was actually handing out samples at our local flower show it was a Hampton Court flower show and I was just like I was just thrilled because I could I was out in nature at a you know around surrounded by flowers and beauty and handing out you know Ren samples a product I love and that was it so I did obviously did a good job on the day because then sort of they they said well you know how would you like to join us uh, permanently and that's kind of how Ren started so it was via a problem skin and just kind of being in the right place at the right time really how nice that you were a genuine user and lover of the brand mm. for all of this to happen. What what appealed to you about skincare rather than color cosmetics, given that you'd been working in makeup for so many years prior? I think it was around the I'm going to say fixing. Not that I believe we need to be fixing people's skin. It's it, but it was about correcting a real. Yeah. Need and how 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 you can feel like how awful you can feel if your skin's not good or not healthy um and i think that's the power lay in that statement for me i could i could someone could come in with very very sensitive skin or who had struggled with acne and um and sort of maybe a lot of redness and they'd never found a product that worked and i could turn that around pretty quickly and for me that was like ah this is interesting so but i think going back to your question it was it was emotional for me. I think skin is incredibly emotional, probably a bit deeper set than makeup, which is, you know, you, you it comes on, it goes off, it comes on, it goes yeah. off, it can change. Whereas skin is so, it, it is you, it is so part of you that I think the, the, the power there is a bit, is a bit stronger to, to want to heal and to want to resolve. Um, so it was, it was that it, it worked for me. It made me feel better. And then I could see how, what a unique proposition Ren was in the industry and just how interesting and how different they were as a company. And that also resonated because I kind of was never someone who super conformed to things. And I liked to always challenge and do things that were a little, little bit special, a little bit different. And Ren felt like an immediate family the minute I stepped in the door. It was it's hard to explain, but I just felt like this is something I want to do for a very long time. And I wasn't wrong. I love that. What advice would you give to anyone listening who might be wanting to break into the beauty industry themselves? I think if you, you know, take take my route and my journey and for some people. Maybe um, minus the malaria. We'll yeah, take that the, out of it. Minus the malaria. We Nobody needs that. Um, I think it, what I'm trying to say is there's this, potentially there is no clear path 
but I think what underpins everything that I've done and everything I've achieved is putting people first, having a positive attitude and being that yes person. I have never, you know, in my career said, no, not going to do that. That's not for me. I will always try, I'll find a solution and I'll try and in every moment, find a way to elevate something or elevate someone else. I think this is also an important mm. point. When you take yourself out of the picture and you just go, right, I'm working on this difficult project. I'm not enjoying myself, but that person who's a little more junior to me, they must really be having a hard time. Let me see how I can lift them up. And when you put that energy out, suddenly all those things I want or feel like I need come to me. So I'm, you know, I'm a huge believer in putting positive energy out and getting stuff back because that is that is how the world works. Yeah. But I guess, you know, I was always very conscious that I didn't have, you know, the degrees, I didn't have the formal training. And I was a little insecure about that when I when I was younger. But given my range of experience and where I've got to just through sheer determination and being, you know, a nice guy, nice is a very boring word, but um, I think being respectful to people is, um, there's something to be said for that. So I would encourage you to just be bold um, take those little risks. Uh, don't be afraid to fail. Generally, you don't fail when you try hard. Um, and just know that it can happen and probably will happen with with the right attitude. Very sound advice. So it's 2005-ish. The clean beauty movement was absolutely nowhere near what it is today. It just wasn't being talked about. How did you and the Ren team physically go about bringing consumers on board with what you were doing. I imagine there's a lot of like education and stuff that has to go into that. Yeah. Um, I think it's such a big topic, the clean beauty topic. And I just, you know, Ren is, Ren means clean in Swedish, but I think along the way there's, uh, this is probably a whole other a podcast session because it's, it's so deep. I love it though. Um, you know, Ren at the time, had set out to make skincare that was great for sensitive skin. Um, and actually clean for Ren was more than just what you don't put in your products. Like it wasn't about, this is a bad ingredient. This ingredient does that and we'll get rid of, be really afraid. And I think that's potentially what clean has become, which we never intended it to be. Um, I think for us, clean was an ethos that was around um, making great products that worked you know, minimal impact on the environment, but also how you relate to people. Clean is almost like a way you conduct yourself in many respects. So in the Swedish language, clean, uh, ren means, uh, you know, it's kind of like that, uh, how you say, higa. It's more like a feeling mm. and an attitude than it is a set of rules. And unfortunately, you know, you go into a retailer these days and they, they go, oh, this is a little strange. We don't know how we feel about this. We need your set of rules. What does clean mean to you? And then the next brand will come in and go, oh, what does clean mean to you? Because you've got to be different. You've got to have that point of difference versus this first clean brand. And it's just, you know, I, I've seen over my career how this has all unfolded and uh, whether I agree with it or not, maybe, maybe I shouldn't comment, but um, I do feel like our intention was always just to make um, great products that worked, perfect for sensitive skin, minimal impact on the environment and just to treat people like the beautiful human beings they are. It's kind of straightforward, but I think it's got a little lost along the way. I imagine there'll be an overlap here, but this is a really broad mm. question and I'm just very interested in your take. Why clean skincare? Because we wanted to, you know, our founder originally had very sensitive skin while pregnant and 
she was looking for an alternative that uh, didn't use ingredients that were potentially harsh for sensitive skin. I think where it gets a little messy is when you start, you know, saying certain things are, are dangerous or bad mm -hmm. for your skin. And I 100% don't agree with that. That's just nonsense. So, you know, all skincare has to be safe in order to be sold. But I think it was about finding out, you know, who is that, who is that REN person? And the clean REN person is generally someone with sensitive skin, someone who definitely wants results. So efficacy is really, really important to us. And at the time she was, uh, I found that Jane was stuck between using um, your more sort of high-tech effective synthetic brands, which are great and they suit 90% of people, or your very, very natural, maybe even an organic brand that, you know, can calm, it can soothe a bit, you can hydrate a little bit, but maybe the product experience is just not very good or it's sticky or it doesn't smell great. There's no pleasure in using it. So she wanted to bang these two worlds together and go, why can't we have efficacy and still enjoy using our product? Which is, which is kind of like why I love the Evercom range because you have a range for sensitive and sensitized skin that actually does use natural fragrance. It does have incredible textures. So we want you to have that moment and treat it like that pleasurable moment. So it is, it, you know, there's, there's a lot to say, but I do think that for us, uh, clean is about not compromising. That's how I would sum it up, not compromising. You don't have to go, I'm this, I'm not that, I'm this, I'm not that. It's no compromise. I, I like to think we take, we do the thinking for you and we just kind of let the skin be in the driving seat. So we give the skin the tools it needs. And strangely, because skin is always striving to be healthy, if it has those tools, you will be rewarded with what we say is beautiful skin, but we say healthy at Ren. So how do you go, talk me through this trajectory, because you were mm. working casually with the brand. How does one go from there to global brand ambassador? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Ren was, we were a very small brand and everyone wore, wore a lot of hats at the time. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I, I, I think communication was probably my strong point overall. And I enjoyed being in front of people. I enjoyed teaching. And there was just, you know, there was no one else who could do that at the time. And I went kind of, I worked, I started in store and then I moved into an education role. And then I did sort of, I worked up to education overall or global education. Um, and, but, but throughout all of that, I think I was more interested in product development. I was more interested in understanding how products come into the market. What's the inspiration? But then what I, because I'd worked for the brand for so long, I, what I really understood was how to take that product and share the right kind of concept to the right people in the right way. And it's kind of like, you know, it, it's hard to explain, but I can look at a REN product and I can instantly know why it's different and who it's for specifically. And what are the words that, you know, that beauty editor needs to know to understand this point of difference and what makes it REN? Because we're not a company that just goes to a, I don't know, like a, a, a shelf formulator and just goes, can you make us a REN product for dark mm. circles? And they'll just, you know, mix something up and a couple of months later, you've got it. We do everything with the same formulator. Um, the inspiration comes from us as a team. It's 100% a group effort. Uh, so I think having everyone be part of that process has been really important. And for me, I've dipped in and out of that, but then I kind of have solidified it over the years to a point where now I look after sort of uh, press events and communications. I help create new products and I see myself as the brand guardian. So, you know, people come to me and they go, 
how do you feel about this? Is this right? And I give my advice, whether it's used or not, is <laughs> up to them. Uh, I don't have an ego. I just try to make things better. And, and quite often that works really nicely, but um, it does come with challenges, especially when you, you spread quite thin over many, many different departments and teams. Um, but I like that. I like the variety in my job. And I like that absolutely every week is different. Well, I was going to ask you to talk me through your role because there is so much to it, but I like that idea of it being kind of the brand guardian. Yeah. What a nice yeah. way of summing it up. Yeah, I feel, you know, it feels like it is a, a, in many ways it should have been, it feels like it is my brand in a lot of ways. And I'm, I'm very proud of what Ren has done over the years and, and just how far we've come. Uh, I do think the best is yet to come. I'm still hanging around for that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's exciting. We're a very restless brand. It's changing a lot and changing all of the time. But I think that's what makes it special is that we're able to flex and we're dynamic. And we, if we make mistakes, we're like, you know what? We made a mistake. We're sorry. We'll do better next time. And I think that is, that's the spirit of Ren. It's, it's a constant evolution and acceptance and kindness. You touched on product development in there mm. and how it's not just, you know, walking in and getting one of these formulas off the shelf and mm -hmm. whipping a label on it. How does the product development process work at Ren? Are you constantly thinking about what needs to come next or are you working off consumer demand? Is it a bit of both? It can be a bit of both. Um, I think we've probably, uh, the process could be, you know, we find something that we are inspired by often uh, because I read a lot and I'm always looking at what's happening in the world. I'll find a, it could be a format I like, a texture type I like. Um, it's always got to be based in a need. So I'm like, how does this fit into a person's lifestyle needs and life and life? Um, and then we can often we often workshops so we get everyone around a table or now it's a virtual table, and we kind of just brainstorm a few ideas. And within that, I like to kind of be the person to weave the ideas together and go, well, this is this is something Ren would do. This is something Ren wouldn't do. But of course, from a business point of view. Um, you always have to be making sure that you have the right kind of offerings, you're filling in gaps where you've got things missing. So it, it isn't as flexible as saying, ah, I just feel like making this kind of mask, because you have to make sure that the need is there, because otherwise you produce something that just doesn't get bought, and then no one wins. So it, it is a little bit of both. But I still think that we are close enough to our formulator in order to have that, that two-way discussion, which is really awesome. I've known our formulator for probably 10 years. In fact, we worked together in Harrods, so I've known her for almost 20 years. Wow. Um, and I think that's a really nice position to be in because I think it's, it's very rare that you get to affect that change and you get to be part of that process. And I think that's what keeps people at REN so committed because they are part of that process. And it genuinely is a, a, a group and team effort. And how long roughly does that process take from the mm. concept through to the product being available for consumers? It can be, it can be years. Um, I think the sunscreen we did was around six years and Oof. it can be probably about two years on average, two or three years on average. Um, it depends on the intricacy of the formula because we, you know, because we don't use certain preservatives and our packaging mm. is very unique. A lot of the struggle comes with uh, when you, you have a formula and you've got to make sure that it's stable so it doesn't fall apart in the bottle or that it's safe. Um, and that's, of course, our top priority. So, you know, you could create an amazing formula and you realize it doesn't last in the container we have made for it. And 
because we're quite limited with uh, uh, the clean to planet and recycling aspect of what we do, um, there are a lot of restrictions. Making a REN product is probably one, it's probably one of the hardest brands to work for. I don't think you work at REN because you want an easy ride. I think you work at REN because you like a challenge. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, can take, it can take a couple of years, certainly for a good product, a couple of years. While we're on product development, it would be remiss of me not to ask, what are some of your all-time favorite Ren products? Mm. Um, I, you know, there's a couple that are, like I call them my cornerstone or my cult products. Uh, the glycolactic radiance renewal mask is that almost like jam type exfoliator. It's That's my number one. Do you like <laughs> if, it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, awesome. That would be my number one Ren product as well. So I'm not alone, it's, clearly. No, no, it's just, you know, the minute I put that mask on my face, took it off after 10 minutes, I was like, oh, wow, that is what that is what great skin can look like. And it's never failed me. Every time I use that mask, my skin looks better afterwards. Very simple. And you'd be surprised how many products in the industry don't always do that. So for me, that's... No, I wouldn't be. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. I would not be at all surprised. I try, I, try, I try not to be mean, but actually, yeah, there's, there's a lot of rubbish out there that just kind of under delivers. Um, and, and, and for me, it's like I, could, I couldn't work for a brand that didn't deliver on what they said they were going to do. And this mask is just awesome. So that's been around probably almost since the start of the brand. And I still use it to this day. I love the Omega 3 um, Optimum Skin Oil. That was actually one of the products I used when my skin was bad. And mm -hmm. Omega oils for me are just such a skin essential. And, you know, we're often lacking them. And those of you who take Omega oils as a supplement would understand what they do. So for me, using that just keeps my skin, I feel healthy all of the time. Um, then there's, yeah, there's, there's some other, those are kind of like the older products that we've had for a long time that have never changed, but I think that just shows how awesome they were. But then we've got some new ones that have come out, which I think have really pushed the boat out. Um, the Dark Spot Overnight Sleeping Cream, which is a pigmentation correcting product for, uh, that uses algae instead of uh, acids or retinol. So it's a, it's a different approach that's gentle, but super, super effective and clinically proven, which is also important. Um, so just showing that you can do things like, you know, brain, we like to say just because it isn't strong doesn't mean it's not powerful in, in its action. And I think that's a really interesting play. And that's kind of where, where we sit with formulations. We, we deliver the results, but we don't have to do the strongest thing out there to get that result. We always want to make sure that the skin is as healthy as possible or not overprocessed. In 2018, Ren pledged to become zero waste by the end of 2021. Can I press you for an update? Sure. Um, this is, you know, this is the this is the part of Ren that has been the most challenging, but also the most rewarding. I would say we are probably just over 60% there, um, which sounds, yeah, it's it. Everyone's probably going. Oh well, you've only got half a year left. <laughs> We're pretty much on track. Um, we always will be on track, and I think our commitment to hitting that is is just like insane because you know our, our CEO has said you know we're not going to ship or sell a single product um, that doesn't meet this requirement. So we you know as a brand, when suddenly wow. you go, if we didn't work hard enough to get this right by the end of the year, we just won't be able to sell that product. That's that's what I mean about commitment and action. So I've got it puts a lot of stress on on people at Ren, but we're all in it yeah. together and we all want to achieve this goal. So yeah, we're just over 60% there. All the new products that come out from Ren now are obviously in the the great new packaging, which you know taps into different technologies. But then what we have to do, which I think people don't 
realizes you have to go and re-engineer re all of the old packaging as well. So there's almost like two things happening at REN at the same time. You're, you're repackaging and retesting old products or older formulas, and then you're creating new ones at the same time and in tandem. So, you know, my job is bouncing between the two in terms of communication. And it's, it's I'm not going to lie, it's a lot, but it is, yeah. you're like, it's, it's very exciting. As someone, like I grew up in a conservation background. Uh, my partner's a marine biologist. I'm, I'm just so into and invested in nature and protection of our natural world. So for me, this is, I never imagined that I'd be working in a cosmetic brand that also satisfied that passion. Unreal. In as much or as little detail as you wish, because there are a lot of them, but can you talk me through some of the sustainability initiatives that Ren has in place? Sure. Um, so one of the one of the cool ones that we're doing at the moment is using infinity recycled plastic and we were mm -hmm. the first brand to adopt this in cosmetics and essentially this is a new process whereby there's a very smart company called Sabic that take any plastic waste and they apply heat and pressure and in the process they create a virgin oil which you can then turn back into what looks like virgin plastic and i think there's so much education around this, it's kind of mind-blowing. But what a lot of people don't realize is if you, you know, plastics of different types, plastics of different sizes, that can limit how you can recycle them. So firstly, this is a company that can take anything and turn it back into a, plastic, a virgin plastic state. So you're not having to create new plastic from natural resources. Um, so we use that in some of our products, which we're going to extend to the rest of the rain. That's called Infinity Recycling. What's great about this is it's a mono material, which means you can just take it apart, pop it in your recycling bin at home, and it will be recycled where those facilities exist. Um, another thing we do is post-consumer recycled plastic. We've used uh, ocean plastic collected from the ocean in our Atlantic kelp range, which was a really cool moment for us. Uh, we are also working on a recycling program or a refillable program, sorry, with a loop industry. And this is a way of taking your favorite rain products, uh, you have them delivered to you in a sort of uh, carbon offset vehicle and they refill the bottles for you and then you just scan them and they get replaced the next month. So this is, this is mm. one way, but you can't do that uh, overall as the brand because it's just the logistics are insane and it's new technology. And that's what I like about when we try things Often we're doing things first and that's exciting, but also quite stressful. So we've got that going on. And then um, it's really about re-engineering all of our packaging to make sure that it can truly be recycled if you've got those facilities. So, you know, I look at everything that I use at home and some of my food and consumer-based products and I say, oh, you can recycle this. And I know enough now to know that you probably can't. And the real, the real trick here is when Ren says something can be recycled, it means take it in, take it in your hand separated, pop it in your home recycling, and it will be recycling based on how your country recycles. But another thing we're doing just quickly is uh, the uh, sample initiative. So, you know, mm -hmm. sachet samples and how you try products, it's very important because you want to make sure it works for your skin. There's no reactions and all those things. But also, you know, they are, they call them the dirty secret of the beauty industry because there's billions of them that go into landfill that you cannot recycle a sachet. Um, but what we've done now is we've adopted a aluminium tube with a aluminium lid that you twist off and it actually becomes the lid itself so you twist it off and plug it back in wow. yeah and this is such a recyclable material you can almost recycle it infinitely so even down to our sampling program it has to be recyclable um it's 360 for us it's not just about 
this, this is not a greenwashing story. This is putting the work in and hoping we've, you know, made the right choice. I like to think we are future-proofing ourselves, but more importantly, you know, through initiatives like we are allies, we are joining and sharing our technologies with other brands who are trying to do the same. So it's not just about we're the best, we've got all this technology, look at us, we're awesome. It's about the bigger picture, which is creating sustainability throughout our industry. So even if that means sharing stuff that we've created or developed or adopted first, that's what we want to do. And that's what we are doing, which is what the We Are Allies campaign is all about. I love it. You have been with Ren for something like 15 mm. years now and you've been a part of the beauty industry for over two decades. Over that time, what have been some of the biggest changes that you have seen within the beauty industry? Um, that's, yeah, that's a, there, there's been, there's been a lot. Um, I would say social media has been the biggest yep. change. Um, I, it's, it's, it's a tough one for me. I think during, during lockdown and where we are in the world right now, people have, we've leaned on social media a lot, but I would say, let's not forget how important those, um, personal relationships are and those real in life relationships are, especially in the world of beauty. Um, going in for your treatments, going into a department store, having that sit down consultation, having that real life moment is really important. So I think we we wait, we put a lot of weight on social media, but I think we also have to be realistic in terms of what we're actually getting out of it. Um, mm. And I would say another, something that's awesome that's happened is understanding the different needs of different skin tones. And, you know, being more inclusive in our industry, which is, you know, back to my back to my time at NARS, that was the first time that I was seeing black skin represented in campaigns in beauty campaigns. And that's, you know, that's only 20 years ago, which is insane. So, you yeah. know, seeing, seeing that shift has been so awesome. And working for Ren, what I do is like, we always have to make sure that, say you're a darker skin tone person with sensitive skin, for example, you may not, you may not go for a product that is limiting redness because you don't necessarily get redness, but you suffer from other things. So you really have to cut through that and work out what is the true needs of a skin across all skin tones, be as inclusive as possible. And I love that that is happening. I think it is shameful that it's taken so long, but we are, we're heading in the right direction. And I'm really, really proud of the work Ren does. I think we don't talk about it enough, but um, they've been doing this for a really long time. Um, and I, I think that for me has been the biggest shift and also how we perceive beauty. I think we've gone through a wobbly phase of going more is more is more is more. And now things are becoming a little bit pared back and we're getting back to the truth, which is more about health and a bit of personal expression um, and individual, true individuality and not, not looking like sort of that person on Instagram as the model it is let's take something from that and make it our own because i think that's that's kind of where we where we want to be it's it's about getting back to 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 yourself and your own confidence so what changes do you think that we can expect to see from the beauty industry over the coming mm. few years um sustainability definitely is not going anywhere i think that's awesome that uh, brands are becoming uh, conscious of this and making those changes where they need to i think we are going to be using uh probably more we're probably going to go more high-tech but use fewer ingredients um i do think that we're going to go away from a little bit away from the the how do i say this when you you know you rush to a result in skincare and sometimes you can do that with certain ingredients you're probably going to go back to looking at health but also from a holistic approach i think we're going to start tapping into 
the wisdom of our elders and the wisdom of uh, cultures that have come before us. Um, because I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff there. And I think the internal external approach is still going to have its have its moment. Um, so I think, yeah, looking at looking at our skin as a functioning system that's protecting us rather than something just to be beautified is probably going to be a really a big focus in the future. But that laid with sustainability um, is it, going to be really important. My final question, what is next for Ren Skincare? <laughs> I haven't opened my emails yet, so I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's, it's that kind of place. It's like, wham, this is coming at you. And then like, um, it's, it's, it's a very restless company. It's, but it's also what makes it so exciting. And for, for myself, I'm terribly curious. It keeps me engaged every single week. Um, I think we will continue to work on our sustainability. It's not just a moment that will be done when we hit our zero waste target. Um, I would like to see some really exciting product development in the sensitive skin space. I think we need to think about um, extending, you know, thinking about skin on the body a little bit more, which is really interesting for me. And I think it is just about going back to what our true Ren client wants. I think in the last couple of years, you know, as a brand, you can sometimes go, you know, what's cool? What is this person doing? What is that person doing? But let's, I think, you know, we are taking it back to what our clients need. And that for me is they want results. They have sensitive skin. They don't want to do any harm to the planet. It's quite a simple, simple formula, but hard to get all those things balanced in a way that still looks attractive. But, um, yeah, I think I think anything could happen is is, is my short answer, and it wouldn't surprise me because, um, yeah, it's it's just that kind of brand. That was David Delport, global brand ambassador for Ren, who you can find on Instagram at Ren Skincare and at David underscore Ren Skincare. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com, and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.